What is going on, Cheeseheads? What's going on, Packer Nation? Welcome back to the podcast. It's been a very long time uh, since we uploaded, and I do apologize for that. Me and Nick's uh, schedules have been opposite, but we're back. And today's going to be a very long episode because we have a lot to cover. Uh, my name is Bryant. For those who are new to the podcast, and I'm joined by a very good friend of mine, a longtime Packer fan, Nick Fargo. Nick, how you doing today? Doing all right, man. Welcome to the uh, Realist Cheeseheads podcast. That's right. We're under a new name in case you guys are new to the podcast. Originally, this was my podcast, and um, I just wanted to, you know, get back into the grind with my friend Nick, and this is our podcast now, and we will be uh, tuning in every week and giving you guys our thoughts, opinions on the Packers, and giving you guys the latest recaps. But today, we have a long episode, ladies and gentlemen. The Packers are on their bye week in week five, which is why we won't see the Packers this week. However, we're 4-0. And we have a lot to cover. Nick, let's go ahead and dive into week three as we took on the Saints, a team that a lot of people had the Packers losing, regardless of Michael Thomas playing. What were your thoughts going to this game? I knew that it was going to be a highly competitive game. I mean, you got Breeze versus Rodgers. I mean, that's a clash of titans right there for sure. And honestly, I feel like defenses have been lackluster this year in general because no lack of crowd noise so I knew it was going to be high scoring as well and turns out I was right on both ends but um I was really happy with um how opportunistic our defense was later on in the game like don't get me wrong that terrible touchdown that they gave up to Camara where they just forgot to tackle all of a sudden. It's like Camaro was just had bodies on bodies. Like everyone was bouncing off this guy. It was ridiculous. Like he should have been stopped when Will Redmond tackled him. Yeah, no kidding. And that's been an issue with Will Redmond for a while. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a problem that we've had since Will Redmond's been on the team. Tackling's been a huge issue as well, and I really hope that Mike Patton, the defense, really does adjust that into this bye week and moving forward into the season. But as for me, um, I knew we were going to win this game. I mean, I didn't want to be cocky. And then, you know, there was a different turn of events. Um, But it's just the injuries on the defense for the Saints was just an opportunity that Rodgers had to take advantage of. And like you said, I have not seen yet at all a top defense whatsoever in the NFL. And I honestly think it's because of the whole COVID situation that's really, like, stop teams from, you know, getting that practice they need and whatnot. But Rodgers, man, he went off that game. So he was 21 for 32, 283 yards and three touchdowns. Um, we had no Adams. to Alan Lazard. Yeah, and we had no Devontae Adams. We depended on Lazard. He has six receptions, 146 yards, and one touchdown. This guy was the star of the team. No kidding. And on top the- of that – Run game was very limited, considering Aaron Jones usually is. And um, it was good that we had a good secondary option in Lazard. Definitely, because I think the Saints prepared themselves for a guy like Aaron Jones. You know, regardless of the injuries that they had, they still knew who was going to shine. That was Aaron Jones. And everyone sleeps on Alan Lazard. Everyone does not give him the credit he deserves. And Unfortunately, injuries did come about Alan Lazard, and he's gone for a while. But I know yeah. 
out with he's out with a core injury. Apparently, he suffered it during the game. But and everyone's wondering, like, how come he didn't seem like he was in pain? Well, the thing is, like, sometimes injuries take a while for you to feel them. Like, right. you got that adrenaline going through you. Like, it just I'm, happens. I'm watching the highlights and I'm watching, you know, the film about it, and there was no inside of him, like, like showing some type of like hurt. Or anything, so it's. It, I sat there and I wondered, but I mean, hopefully when he comes back, you know, we'll be still on top of the NFC North, which I think we will. But also for that week three game, the defense played like crap the first half. However, there was one guy Nick who stood out the most with his two sacks in that game, and it was also his birthday. Zadar Smith. It was actually Kingsley Kiki on the same. Oh team. yeah, it was Kingsley Kiki. I was, the, I was thinking of the strip sack that uh, Z had that really impacted the game. Yeah, and I, I was going to get to that right now. But Kingsley Kiki had two sacks on that game, which such a momentum changer as well as the Darius Smith. Um, what was it? Uh, strip was it Taysom strip? Hill. Well, on Taysom Hill. There you go. On Taysom Hill. And that was another momentum changer that really helped the offense, like, secure this win. Um, overall, I thought the game was how it was going to be. I really wished it would have been a shootout. Um, but, you know, a win's a win, and we were on to the next. Now, week four, Monday Night Football, we hosted the Falcons, and the Falcons were just banged up, okay? they had, Yeah, we were banged up, too. We were missing guys like Adams, Lazard. Uh, we were bring, pretty much bringing Clark. Up- yeah, Clark was still out. Pretty much, pretty much bringing up practice squad guys into play like Darius Shepard, uh, Malik Taylor. You know, the list can go on and on. But the Packers still were able to put up 30-plus points, and I get it. It's a Falcons team that is all banged up. But you know what? A win's a win. It does not matter. Um, the key player in this game, Robert Tanya. Okay? Oh. Robert Tanya was a beast this this Monday. Well, he's been training with uh, George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers this offseason. They're actually really good friends. And he was giving them praise throughout the uh, Monday Night Football game when he tweeted out he can't be stopped. And that goes to show that hard work paid off with Robert Tanyan. And I honestly think, knocking on wood, he stays healthy. He can be a reliable number one tight end. Because as of now, I don't see Jay Sternberger being the guy. And we'll get into that later on, but... Do you want to touch up on that, Nick? Yeah, um, Robert Tanyan, um, Indiana State, he went there, and um, I didn't really hear about much from him because everyone was so hyped when we had Jimmy Graham. But the thing is, with uh, Tanyan, in less games, much less games, he scored more touch, well, as many touchdowns that did in two years. Yeah. Yep. So that goes to show the production, and I and I get it. It might be the age, and it might be this and that. But we paid this guy thirty million. Like we paid him like ten million a year to only give us that much production. I mean, you know, I think it was just bad. I think it was just a bad fit for the offense. Right, and I think we were barely utilizing. I think Matt Lafleur was barely getting into Green Bay was the first time and the offense was kind of getting used to it, but you know, that's Chicago's problem now. But um, Rodgers had a great game this this past Monday. 
27 for 33, 327 yards and four touchdowns. Aaron Jones had a great night. I mean, Jamal Williams, Tanyan. I mean, the list can go on and on. The offense was clicking on all cylinders, even without their top two wide receivers with Adams and Lazard out. And also, Big Dog, a.k.a. Mercedes Lewis, was also out this game. We still managed to put up 30 points. Yeah, I I was very impressed by that. Also, a notable stat here, Rodgers was 20 for 20 when targeting tight ends and running backs. And everyone goes and says, oh, we should have drafted a wide receiver, this and that. This offense is predicated on every position except for offensive linemen, of course, right. being viable targets. And I love the fact that we're so versatile. Everyone, like, gives a part of them on this offense, like whether it's a tight end, a, right, a running back, wide receiver. Everyone does something with the ball. They're always productive. There's never been a time where they don't do something. And I love how great this offense has been so far. My only issue was that fourth and goal. Okay, so I get it. You want to run up the goal. You want to run up the gut, get that touchdown. However, are we really going to trust Aaron Jones to do that? Don't get me wrong. He's a beast. But come on, you got A.J. Dillon over there with tree trunks for legs. Let him bash his way into the end zone and get his first career touchdown. All game long, Nick. You were a witness. I was saying, why are we giving it to Jones? Even Jamal, I think it was Jamal Williams who might have ran it in. I'm not too sure. But even Jamal Williams could have found his way in. Easily. Easily have found his way in better than Jones could have. But we got to give A.J. Dillon the ball more. We have to. And I suspect that we will once it gets colder, because I think LaFleur said something about that during a press conference. Oh, no way. I, I, I got to check that out. But, man, regardless of, we still got that win, and it's a perfect way to go into the bye week. 4-0 on top of the division. Um, that's enough for the recap. Actually, before we move on to our next subject, let's talk about the defense this, this game, because the defense uh, had four sacks. On top of that, Jair is on a Pro Bowl mission. I no know kidding. A lot of people don't think Jair is Pro Bowl caliber, but you guys are sleeping on this guy. John Money is money. <laughs> like this guy. No kidding. Against Calvin Kel- Ridley had Calvin Ridley had over a hundred yards in each game be- leading up to this game. He had zero catches for zero yards. And, and guess who blocking him up? Jair Alexander. John- Jair Alexander. Although he almost did get a touchdown, but Adrian Amos broke that up. Exactly. Exactly. And shout out to Amos also for being there and and, uh, stopping a huge play. But this defense was great. Zadari Smith balled out. Raven Green had a sack of his own. I mean, Jesus, man, this defense was all over the place. Yeah, no kidding. I really enjoyed this. Um... That was a fun game to watch for sure. It didn't really like make you sweat too much, really. Um, and we were able to contain Todd Gurley as well. I mean, yeah, he had a what? He a, had a couple of touchdowns, but two touchdowns, I mean, but still, we kept him contained under 100 yards, which is good. Yeah, I agree. Um, one th- one thing that I did notice is that we were able to exploit the fact that they were pretty much down to their like fourth string safety at the time. These people had no one. Like if there was fans available at 
Lambeau Field, I wouldn't doubt if the defensive coordinator would have went up there and grabbed someone random and said, hey, you're playing safety for us. They had nobody left. I know. Ridiculous. I mean, injuries were a part of every team's um, situation. But let's go ahead and move forward. Uh, we recap week three and four. Let's talk about the NFC North, Nick. The Packers are on top, how it should be, because we run up north. Hell yeah. So, right behind us, three and one. They got a reality check, thank God, because a lot of Bear fans were getting cocky, walking around like their shit didn't stink, but they're three and one. Um, and now they're playing Tampa Bay as we record this podcast right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm in my car right now, so I really can't tell you guys what's going on, but uh, hopefully they lose, and I, and I really do hope and think they're going to lose, but the Lions are one and three. The Vikings are one and three. Um, what What are your thoughts going in, into the division, Nick? Right now, we're two and on division. We already beat the Vikings. We already beat the Lions. It's time for the Bears. Uh, we we play them week twelve. Yeah, we got a long ways to go. But overall, Nick, what do you think about the NFC North? Do you think there's someone that poses a threat for the Green Bay Packers? Overall, I wouldn't say so right now. However, I will say. Minnesota's offense is starting to find their stride. Um, Justin Jefferson has been playing very well these past couple of games. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings actually started making a run at some games. They're not going to beat us, but. Yeah, Justin Jefferson was someone that the Vikings, I guess, truly did need for their team, you know, with the departure of a guy like Stephon Diggs. And I, I know a lot of people forgot about Stephon Diggs. A lot of Viking fans are over him. They're all about Justin Jefferson. And he looked great the past, um, what was it, the last two games, looking really good. Um, to answer the question I just gave you, I don't see anyone being a threat for the Packers. You have a team like Chicago who just sat down their franchise quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky and lost his job to Nick Foles. Um Detroit, they're just a trash of a team, an organization, a franchise. They don't know what they're doing. Matt Patricia doesn't know what he's doing. It's going to be a rebuild for the Lions team for years to come. And that's the thing. It's going to be so – see, the coaching position in Detroit, if and when Patricia is gone, it's going to be so difficult because that defense that Patricia has over there, it's so – Taylor made to be like a clone of what he had in New England. And that's just very unique. And not a lot of coaches can manage that personnel. Right. And that's going to, like I said, it's going to be a huge rebuild for that franchise. And, and, and I know a lot of Lion fans are over Matt Patricia. They're calling for his head. But like you said, who's going to replace him? Like when you build up a team like that, it's like now it's not Matt Patricia's guys. Now it's uh, so-and-so's guys. And you, and it's, Something that uh, the players also have to adjust to when they have to learn a new scheme and stuff. All I have to say to the Lions fans is you had a guy in Jim Caldwell who got you to the playoffs a couple of times, if I'm correct. Yeah, exactly. And they, and they, and, they, and they that wasn't good enough for you. And now you're reaping what you sow. Well, no, also, look at it like this. I mean, I know it might be a little... 50-50, but Cowboy fans were complaining a lot as well. Jason Garrett, I mean, I know he had probably a little bit worse than Jim Caldwell, but Jason Garrett, they wanted him gone. 
They got Mike McCarthy. Everyone was like, oh, we're going to go to the Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy. He did it with Rodgers. He did this. He did that. Look what happened when Mike McCarthy was our head coach. You had a guy like Aaron Jones in 2018 who didn't get that many carries, and he's a beast of a fucking running back. And you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's a future Hall of Famer, and you wasted time there in Green Bay. And now you're doing the same thing here in Dallas, and now Dallas fans are calling for his head. I noticed that in Dallas with Mike McCarthy, um, I noticed a lot of similarities to when McCarthy was with us. Um, You've got a star running back in Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, and um, you're forcing Dak to throw the ball almost 50 times. I mean, Dak is on pace to throw for 6,000 yards this year. He's throwing the ball that much. Exactly. And it's just like, I know a lot of them are frustrated, but that's Mike McCarthy. He does not utilize his running backs. And like you said, they have a top five running back at least in Zeke. And Mike's not using him. They got lucky that they won against freaking Atlanta. Because they should have lost. The- yeah, they should be 0-4. Exactly. They should have easily been 0-4. But they're not. And that NFC East division is so garbage right now. It's hot garbage. But moving... I mean, when the leader of the... When the leader of the division is one, two, and one. And that's how you know that freaking division awful. The Eagles are one, two, and one. They're still on top of the division. Right. Honestly, I All right. I don't real quick before he's like hop into the next topic. I don't know what division in the NFC is the best. But like we currently we're four and oh. Like no one can stop us right now in our division. Knock on wood. Then you got the NFC West. Then you got the NFC East and the South. Who is there that's going to stop the Packers? Like, we got the Niners in a few weeks, but still, like, who is there that really poses a threat? On our regular season schedule or in like, the playoffs, potentially? Like, in the regular schedule, like regular season. Oh. um, Well, you never know with San Francisco because Kyle Shanahan is a great uh, – he – I mean, Matt LaFleur learned a lot of what he knows from Kyle, so it would make sense that he would kind of pose a threat for sure. Um, and even without Nick Bosa, that defense is still good. Oh, definitely. It's still a great defense. And also, I mean, what was I going to say? Damn, I totally forgot. I got tongue-tied. Okay, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, but if any other team besides San Francisco, if we see Seattle in the playoffs again, that would be a really good matchup because both teams are playing very hot. I would give us the edge because I feel like our defense is slightly better than theirs. That's what I was going to say. I totally agree with you on that, and I'm going to touch up on that real quick. We always lose to West Coast teams. We always lose to the Chargers. We always lose to the Niners. It's... I just don't know what it is about us and West Coast teams. We always lose to them. We lost twice to the Niners. We lost to the Chargers last year. I don't know what it is. I really don't know. To me, I think it was just preparedness, especially with that Chargers game. We were going into that game thinking like, oh, we got this. I feel like it was a trap game, to be honest with you. I still think to. Oh, yeah. But going back to what you were saying about Seattle, yeah, I totally agree. And that's actually one of our topics. Um, Later on in the in the in the episode today, 
but Seattle is a great team. I think currently the if you were to ask me who are the top NFC teams, it's the Packers and the Seahawks. Russell Wilson I agree. is playing like an MVP right now. So is Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is putting 40-plus points. Like, he's putting 30-plus points, I should say. 30-plus points. Nearly 40. Yeah, Russell Wilson, who's throwing five touchdowns per game. Like, they are looking good. However, we like you said, I, w- I would agree. Our defense is much better than the Seattle Seahawks. It's not the Legion of Boom over there anymore. Uh, and they can try their best to make it what it was, but it's not going to be ever. Um, but that's for a later time. I think we will see the Seahawks if we keep it up, and we can take that uh, number one seed later on. But I guess that's for later on uh, in the regular season. But, Nick, speaking of injuries, man, the Packers are just dealing with a load of injuries. Got- yeah, it's pretty bad right now. Um, Adams. Look- we do have a bye week, so... Luckily, because we kind of caught some bodies in this game. We lost Josiah DeGuar for the season with the torn ACL. Uh, wish you nothing but the best, Josiah. Honestly, I really wanted to see what this kid was made of going to this season. Yeah, LaFleur was raving about him all off season. I really liked the pick when we made it. A little bit confusing because, you know, we had guys like Jay Sternberg who was on the team, and we expected a lot from him. They got the thing is, with DeGuara, they wanted him to be an H-back, like a fullback. And that explains why we didn't really keep any fullbacks on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a guy like Jay Sternberger, who we just drafted like the previous year ago. Um, then you got Robert Tanya, Mercedes Lewis. And you're sitting there thinking, why are we drafting another tight end? But it all made sense. You know, They wanted to have this offense be as versatile as they could. Mm-hmm. But I guess we won't see that until next year. It's going to be down to Tanya and Sternberger as well as Lewis to really take over this offense. And I think Tanya is the number one tight end at the moment. Oh, for sure. If the last game didn't tell you. I don't know what will. Exactly. Um, so we got Adams who's out, and I think he's going to be back next week when we take on the Bucks. Um, Kenny Clark should have played as well as Adams this last game, but I think it was a it was precautionary. Precautionary to make sure they didn't really, you know, get more hurt than what they already were. You got Alan, Alan Lazar, excuse me, who's out for pretty much until week eight or nine. Christian Kirksey is also out. I mean, that we really depended on Christian Kirksey as well to uh, pretty much fill Blake Martinez's role. Rashawn Gary. We were were counting on him to do more than Blake Martinez, and I'll get into how I feel about how Christian Kirksey has done so far when we get into my positional grades. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. That actually is uh, pretty interesting. This team is blessed to have a bye week right now because we are banged up left and right, but we're still able to get the job done, and that's what a lot of people don't give us credit for. Without our top wideouts, we're still able to win and put up points. I usually hate early bye weeks because that means, like, so much, like, potential to get hurt even more. Mm -hmm. But right now, oh, man, it's so needed. Right, and I totally agree. I hate when we have bye weeks early. I think it was 2017 or 16 when we had our bye week week four. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, who the hell is making these schedules? Why so early? But thank God we're getting it done now because we got a huge, huge task ahead of us with the Bucks. 
the Texans, even though a lot of people hate the Texans, think they're not a threat. They, you never know. They still got Deshaun Watson, so you never know. Exactly. Then we got the Vikings again, which, like I said, don't think they're a threat, but you never know either. And then we got the Niners. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about some rumors because I want to go ahead and address some things because I know a lot of Packer fans have been going on a roll about Damus Snacks Harrison, why the Packers didn't sign him. Here's the thing. He was set to have a uh, meeting with Seattle, and then on Wednesday, I believe, he was supposed to meet with the Packers. Snacks signed with the, uh, the Seahawks, excuse me, with the Seahawks to their practice squad. He's not even going to see the field anytime unless one of their starters goes out. We could have signed. And to me, that just helped. To me, that just tells me that maybe Snacks didn't even want to play in Green Bay and he wanted to use us as leverage for Seattle. Yeah, they, he wanted Seattle to sign him for more. He wanted money. He didn't mm-hmm. want to actually play. He just was looking for the money. And yes, we could have signed him. Yes, we need you know someone be next to Kenny or if Kenny goes out, you know we got Snacks. But I'm glad Goodkins didn't really pull the trigger. We would have spent more money than we have. Like, our cap space is, like, pretty tight at the moment. Right. And, yes, it would have been pretty cheap if we would have signed them. But let's be real. I mean, we signed some guys for cheap, and they get hurt and out for the season. Or what if he changed his mind and he opted out? You know, things could happen so quickly. Um, There's been some rumors going around about the Packers being in the mix of trading for Brandon Cooks. I mean, Nick, what do you think about that? Do you think the Packers are in need of a wide receiver at the moment? Um, I believe that it wouldn't hurt because, one, I mean, yeah, good on the receivers to step up when they needed to against the Falcons, but not a lot of teams have a defense as bad as Atlanta's. Right. We need another viable target next to Devontae while Alan Lazard is hurt. And when Lazard comes back, you got, at least for this year, Devontae, Brandon Cooks, and Alan Lazard. You have a three-headed monster on a wide receiver core. You have a three-headed monster on the running back core. And you have a great tight end core, at least with Lewis and and Tanya, because Sternberger still needs to prove himself. That offense is looking great. And the production just shows, too. Exactly. And also, you have to give credit to the offensive line. They have been terrific, Nick. They only have allowed three sacks so far this season. And hopefully it stays low. Hopefully. My only award... See, we'll get to that in my positional grades, too. But I see from on the left side to the center, brilliant. But on the right side, I do have a bit of concern, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The right side is a, a, a very concerning situation. Um, I don't know about Billy Turner at this moment. Rick Wagner is kind of a question mark at, at times, but we talked about the recap, Nick. We gave them the recap for three and four. We talked a little bit of our bye week. We talked about the NFC North, injuries, rumors. And we kind of touched up on this a little bit earlier. MVP. Who is the MVP going to the season? Currently, half, not even halfway to the season, but mid-halfway to the season. Who would you consider, Nick, if the season were to come to an end right now? 
who is the NFL MVP this year? Okay. I'm not going to be saying that this isn't coming from a biased mindset, but I'm going with A-Rod. 13 touchdowns, no interceptions, 1,214 um, passing yards so far, a 70.5% completion rating. And he is currently, he's been back-to-back for the past four weeks, top QBR. Since, like, 2006, since they started, like, even tracking that. Right. Aaron Rodgers is on fire. Now, I'm going to be completely unbiased. Let's just say I was not a Packers fan. I was just some random-ass NFL fan. Both QBs are playing terrific, Nick. You have to give both sides credit. But Oh, yeah, of course. Dangerous. Let Russ cook. Yeah, I am going to take Aaron Rodgers. 100%. 100%. Yes. Uh, Russell Wilson, he has 16 touchdowns. He has two picks. And he has like over 1,000-plus yards. I'm not too sure the, the numbers. But Aaron Rodgers just playing on a whole different level. This guy is just on fire. Many speculate and say that it's probably because the Packers drafted Jordan Love and it just sparked something in him. I don't think that's the case. I think Rodgers has always been the GOAT. And like he said, and on the, on the Pat McAfee show, down my down years are are a lot of are a lot of quarterbacks' career years, exactly. or something for that matter. It's, and it's like we've talked about it before. Even though his numbers aren't Aaron Rodgers' numbers, they're still great numbers. And it's just people yeah. expect the most from Aaron Rodgers when guys like Mahomes came into the league or Lamar Jackson came to the league. Aaron Rodgers, they, they expected him to throw those type of numbers around. When in reality, he already has done it. And the thing is, Rodgers was playing in a whole new system last season. Exactly. And he still went 13-3. and He won the division, made it to an NFC North. That I've never seen a team that goes with a brand new scheme, a brand new head coach, go all the way 13-3. and Never seen it. And that's just a testament to Matt LaFleur because – now Matt LaFleur is up to 17 and 3 in a regular season games. That's that ridiculous. is currently that is currently tied for second in best um, best regular season uh, coaching records in the first 20 games. Exactly. And honestly Matt LaFleur is honestly I would say if the season were to end he would win coach of the year. Hands down. Matt LaFleur is on fire as well. Each week... I would say so. Each week, his play method changes. It looks like Sean McVay's. It looks like Kyle Shanahan's. The offense looks great. Rodgers would win the MVP, in my opinion. Unbiased. Biased. Does not matter. I'm taking Aaron Rodgers to win MVP this year. And the last thing, Nick, before the show ends tonight, week six... We take on the Buccaneers. They're currently playing our rival, the Chicago Bears, and hopefully they beat them. Wait, we got to get to my positional grades. Oh yeah, my, my bad, my bad. I totally forgot about that. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and talk about that then, and we'll end off the the podcast of week six. All right. So we're a quarter of the way through this year. So I decided to look at the roster and what we've got, and give a grade to each personnel group. 
So, quarterback, I mean, I'm giving Rodgers an A+. Like I said, 70.5% completion rating, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 1,214 passing yards. Rodgers is a man on a mission. Totally agree. He's on a mission right now, and if you guys don't believe it, well, he's going to prove it to you. I agree. I agree. Okay, and at running back, I gave that group an A. Aaron Jones is having another fantastic season. He's a beast on the ground and through the air. 5.8 yards per carry so far, on pace for more receiving yards than a season ago. And then you got Jamal Williams, who has stepped up his game, specifically in the passing game. He had 95 receiving yards versus the Falcons. And then you got Tyler Swervin Irvin, who has also carved out a nice little role in the offense and adds some more dynamic abilities out of the backfield. True, true. I like that. I totally agree with you. At wide receiver, I'm giving them a B minus. Now, Devontae Adams got off to a great start in week one, but injured himself the next week. Alan Lazard had an amazing week three showing, but was injured as well and will be unavailable for a while. MVS, he gets Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS. He gets open, but still inconsistent with his hands. It's frustrating. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And here's a stat for you. Lazard and MVS have both dropped more than 10% of their targets. That's got to change. However, I feel like the, that potential that has potential to improve once Adams comes back and takes away from um, and uh, attracts double coverage to get them open. I totally agree with you, Nick, there. Um, MVS has to step up big time. I mean, he looked pretty good against the Falcons. He had a great moment against um, the Saints. But it's that consistency that's really killing him and really taking away from his potential to being a great wideout for us. It's been a problem ever since. Inconsistency has been an issue for him ever since we drafted him. Right. I agree with you. Tight end, I gave that position a B. Mercedes Lewis made a huge impact on the run game as a blocker. And he also caught a clutch touchdown versus New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Robert Tanyan flashed his ability scoring three touchdowns versus Atlanta, and he's already got five touchdowns on the year. Um, but Jay Sternberger, he remains a work in progress. So that brings it down a little bit to a B. That's a, that's a great grade uh, for the tight ends. I really want to see Jay Sternberger step it up, man. He has so much potential to be a great tight end for us. It's just that confidence, I think, is what's really killing him. All right, so for our offensive line, I gave it a B plus. And now that might be controversial because, I mean, yes, they have been shuffling in players and they haven't really allowed that many sacks. However, I'm going to explain it right here. So first of all, let's start with the positives, starting with the left side of the offensive line. Bakhtiari has been as dominant as ever, and he's headed towards a huge payday. He's going to get paid, and if we can't afford to pay him, we'll put him on a franchise tag until we can. 100% agree with you. Best left tackle in the league, don't at me. No kidding. Elton Jenkins, he's building off a strong rookie year and appears to have a bright future. I mean, you can play this guy at any position. That's what I love about Elton Jenkins, man. He's so versatile. Anyone goes down, he's right there, step up, and ready to go. 
And uh, Corey Lindsley, don't look now, but he's been dominating at center. He's been very good. And there's been a lot of us Packer fans that really sat there and, and said, you know, we if we can't afford him, you know, let him go. You know, let him go and we'll figure it out. But we have, in case we weren't able to pay him, we have a great backup for him. But a guy like John Runyon who can play. Um, Jake, Jake Hansen. Hansen. Exactly. So he looks great so far, though, nonetheless. Yeah, um, so unfortunately, during week one, Lane Taylor was lost to injury at right guard for the season, but Lucas Patrick has been all right in relief of him. Yeah, Lucas Patrick, man. First of all, hopefully Lane Taylor comes back next year. I would really love to see him back. Lucas Patrick, he looked okay. He got trucked on Monday night, though, against the Falcons. Pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, he's not the starter for a reason, but when he needs to, he fills in well. Now, Billy Turner, I've noticed he's struggling at right tackle, and I feel like if this continues, then uh, Rick Wagner could start. I agree with you. I've seen a little bit of some um, concerning issues with with, um, Billy Turner. I would hope that – And we paid him a lot of money. How much did we pay? We paid him four years, $60 60 million something around that ballpark i just hope with the amount of money we paid him he steps up moving forward yeah all right so the defensive line this is my lowest grade for them i gave them a c minus kenny clark went down with a groin injury in week one he should be back after the bye though mm-hmm. the packers right now are 23rd in rushing yards allowed Kingsley Kiki has been a nice surprise for sure, and Tyler Lancaster is playing all right after a bad 2019 season. But we haven't seen much contribution from Dean Lowry or Montrevious Adams. I agree. Um, really, I mean, Dean Lowry, you haven't really seen much of him. Montrevious Adams, he's been complete and utter, you know, shit. He's been a you ghost. You really haven't seen much of him at all whatsoever. But due to Kiki and due to Kiki kind of in the midst of a possible breakout and Tyler Lancaster playing all right, um, and hopefully Kenny Clark will come back and he's healthy and good to go, um, I could see this going up later on. But right now, as it stands, we need to we need to get better at rushing defense because 23rd in rushing yards allowed is unacceptable. Yeah, I totally agree. Honestly, hopefully this defense steps up moving forward because, I mean, it's like every year the defense is always struggling with the run defense. We think that guys are going to step up. We draft them, and they don't produce how we expect them to. Yeah, see, I made this joke. I was like, our defensive line is Kenny and the Clarks. (laughs) I mean, really, that defense depends on Kenny. They do, and without Kenny, it's gone to show – what happens? You plug Ken there, man. Yeah. This guy's a freaking monster. Okay, so for the linebacker position, and this is evaluating both the inside and outside linebackers. We'll start with the outside, though. Um, so I gave this position group a C, the linebacker group okay. in general. See, the season started out pretty quiet for Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. Um, Z came alive versus the Falcons with three sacks, though. And not only that, but he was disruptive the whole game. Um, 
And then Preston's not really been that much of a force in pass rush because he's been uh, dropping back into coverage, which I wouldn't do that. <laughs> I don't think Preston Smith is very good at dropping into not. coverage. Um, if anything, I'd rather have Oren Burks do that because he's we drafted him for that reason, to be that coverage linebacker. Right. So what does that mean when he's not seeing the field? Um, now, we mentioned Christian Kirksey earlier. I really don't feel like Kirksey has been the answer that we thought that he might be. And, I mean, we shouldn't have expected it. We got him for very cheap. And, honestly, I feel like linebacker is not a position that Petten really values, at least the inside linebacker mm-hmm. position. Um, I feel like Ty Summers and Chris Barnes have been playing better than expected for sure, but I'd still like to see a lot of production from this group. Totally agree. I really like how Ty Summers, when he got the opportunity to go on the field, he made a name for himself. He was out there making tackles. A guy like Chris uh, Bryans, who went undrafted and was looking pretty damn good, making plays left and right for the past four weeks. I will. I, I I got so mad though when he got in front of the easiest interception Darnell Savage will ever yes, have in I his seen life. That and I was like, "Bruh, you gotta hold on to that." Like, if you're going to make a dive for a one-handed interception, you better make sure that you can hold on to that because he just allowed that catch yeah, exactly. right there. And it was like a third and something or a four and something. They went for it. Yeah. I agree, though. I, I agree on that grade for the inside linebackers, man. I really hope they step up moving forward. All right. So the secondary, I gave it a B minus. Now, so far, the secondary has taken a bit of a step back when there was reason to be optimistic about it. Now, Jair, he's been a monster. He's been a stud all year long, Pro Bowl season mm-hmm. potentially. Um, no catches while covering Calvin Ridley versus Atlanta. I mean, and like I said, Ridley's been on a tear this year besides the game against us. Yeah. Okay, but Kevin King in a contract year, he's been all right in coverage, but his tackling has been subpar. Like, you are playing for a contract extension, King. Exactly, and and you know what? I would hope that King steps up because I really like Kevin King. He is a great corner. He's really stepped up when we needed him to uh, previous years. It's just, and also he's dealt with injury as well. Um, yeah, he's kind of made a glass. I've always said that. Yeah, especially um, what was that, 2018, where he was just banged up left and right. Um, especially in the contract mm-hmm. here, you would expect more from him, and I think we will see more from him. I the only concern I got is his tackling, because you got to remember, I think was it week three against the Saints or week four, they were pretty much pinched the one yard. King should have stopped Julio Jones right there. And he made he let them get a chunk yard by moving at least like 11 yards more. Mm-hmm. So that's my only concern with King. Now, Adrian Amos, he's been all right, but I don't feel like he's quite living up to his big contract that we gave him. He did make a really good play to prevent uh, Calvin Ridley from having a touchdown at the end of the game against the Falcons. Yeah, he though. came in clutch. And like you said, he's been very quiet. I think last season it was – a little bit more of a better production from him. Um, I'm not too sure if it's either him or this, the setup that Mike Pettin is using Amos in, the packages. Um, 
I think maybe after the bye, we'll see a little bit more from Amos, and he's going to be more productive. But I think he was a great snag, though, in the in the free agency, nonetheless. Oh, oh, I I, I agree. I'm just saying, like, hey, we need yeah, more I production totally from you. Especially with – I think every free agent that we got in 2018 was at least $60 million plus. The Smiths were $60 million, Yeah. Turner and Amos. So, yeah, if we're paying you over, like, $60 million, you better be getting freaking interceptions left and right. Now, my biggest concern with this secondary is second-year safety Darnell Savage. Now, the coaching staff loves him, but his production is, in my opinion, not quite meeting the hype. I mean, he clearly has great speed, but he hasn't figured out how to appropriately use it. I mean, there's obviously still a lot of hope for him, but he has a lot of improvement to make. I've noticed that. Playing safety is hard Mm -hmm. in the NFL. And it takes a while to adjust to yeah, it. Yeah, we addressed that before, Nick. I think on, when we're in our, in our group chat, we talked about Savage and stuff. Hopefully, he steps up as well, man. Um, great potential. He's a great safety. It's just like certain times, he really just beats himself. Yeah, like in that Minnesota game where he allowed uh, Thielen to get yeah, that touchdown I, I, late. That was horrible. Yeah, it was garbage time, but still. If you can prevent them, you got to stop it. Yeah. Now, special teams, I gave it a B. Now, Mason Crosby, he continues to be Mr. Dependable even at 36 years old. Eight for eight on field goals, 16 out of 17 on extra points. Um, He's lost some power in his legs, but he's still accurate. I wouldn't trust him to go and make like a 59-yard field goal with his age, but he's still dependable. Yeah, I love Mason Money Crosby, man. This guy's a GOAT. Or, or as um, Skid Bayless likes to call him, Mason Crossbar. Yeah, Skid Bayless. He's just mad because he freaking eliminated this Cowboys. His 13-3 Cowboys that lost to the 10-6 Packers. Now, here's an interesting thought here. J.K. Scott has not been used much. Good job, offense. Um, his seven punts are the fewest in the NFL this season. And half of them are inside the 20, and the coverage has been good. That's true. I haven't even noticed that, that we haven't been using J.K. that much. Because we haven't yeah, needed to. Yeah, always putting up points and scoring. <laughs> See, the special teams units haven't made huge mistakes, which is a great way to start the season. I would like to see more kickoff returns for touchdowns, though. Come on, That's Swerve right. and Irvin. Put in your... Uh, Get your uh, Devin Hester on. <laughs> Man, I, oh my God. I don't think there would be anyone like him, bro. Right. All right. So on to week well, six. First of all, hey, if you guys ever need any scouting done for your team, hit up Nick. Nick is smart as hell. This guy really pours his love, heart, and soul into his time and doing these things. So if you guys ever need some scouting done or whatever it is, hit him up. This guy's freaking legit. Um, yeah, man. No Appreciate problem. it. Week six it is coming up. Uh, the Bears are going against the Bucks right now. We got the Bucks next week. I believe on – is it Sunday night? Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, I would... No, it's America's Game okay. of the Week. Brady versus Rodgers. Now, it's not New England. The rubber match. It's not New England. But it's time that we put this Brady versus Rodgers thing – to an end because yes 
Brady might have the rings, but I would take Aaron Rodgers in a heartbeat to win his games. I would take his skill set yeah. any day. It's going to come down. Um, I know we're going to do a game preview to this as well, but I want to I want to talk about it. Nick, what, what do you think is going to go down week six with Brady and Rodgers? Do you think it'll be a shootout? Um, what do you think? I feel like Brady is getting more acclimated to his offense in Tampa. It took a couple of weeks, but I think he's really starting to understand how it works. Um, that being said, Tampa Bay's defense is actually very good, so this will be a really good test for uh, Green Bay's offense. Yeah, honestly, I noticed that Brady at first, I mean, he was just looking bad, really bad in this in his new team, and everyone was like, well, here's the downfall of Tom Brady. His age is showing. He needs Bill Belichick. And, I mean, I made those jokes as well. But he has picked it up. He threw for five touchdowns last week, I believe. He looked pretty good. Um, just he likes to throw a lot of picks as well, I noticed. Um, I think there's going to be a huge test for us, especially with a guy like Tom Brady. Um, they're going to have uh, Mike Evans. They have a good run game going on over there. But Well, actually, Mike. Evans isn't playing tonight. Well, wait, he's playing hurt. They might not have Chris, Chris Godwin, Godwin actually, though. He's out, right? He's ruled out with the, I think, a knee injury, no, or hamstring injury. Yeah, they're, yeah, but Leonard Fournette ended oh, yeah, up playing he tonight. He was inactive at first, but now he's playing, though? Yeah, he was doubtful, but they decided to play him. He's playing hurt, though. They're both, he and Mike Evans are both playing with uh, bad ankles. Well, hopefully, you know, Kind of just want to touch up a little bit on week six. We're not going to get too much in detail. We'll save that for next week when the time comes, when the Packers are back. We see who's going to play, who is not going to play that way. We can give you guys a little bit more of a detailed um, game preview and whatnot. But, Nick, uh, we pretty much recapped a lot of things that we missed up on the past two weeks with week three and week four. We talked about our bye week, the NFC North, injuries, MVP talk, and then week six. Is there anything else that you want to talk about before we head out? Um, all I got to say is go, Pat, go. I'm going to enjoy this weekend of stress-free football. <laughs> Happy bye week, That's everybody. Right. Um, as for me, go, Pat, go. Huge shout-out to my boy Nick Fargo once again uh, for doing his um, – damn, I totally forgot what it was called. Um, damn it. Um, is it yeah, grades? My mind's just all over the place right now. Huge shout-out to Nick, man. This guy is smart as hell. Like I said, if you guys ever need some scattering down for your teams, you know, for the draft or whatever, hit my boy up. Uh, he's the GOAT. Um, forward to week six, <laughs> Brady versus Rogers. I think it's like part three, part four. I don't fucking know. I lost count. Part, part three, three. I think Rogers is. That's why I call it the rubber match because it's, they, it's oh, a one-to-one. One. Then we faced – no, wait. Oh, that's right. We faced the Patriots in Lambeau, and then we lost them in – Gillette, right? Yeah, that was McCarthy's last year right. when we lost so this to them. This is it. This is where the, the the feud comes to an end. They buried the hatchet like Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Um, look yeah. forward to seeing you guys next week because we talk about the Bucks and the Pack. Uh, it's going to be a great game and hopefully um, a stress-free game. You guys can find us on Instagram at the Realist Cheeseheads. Um, might be doing YouTube eventually. Might put the podcast episodes up there. I'm able to, but other than that, I mean, it's been your boy Bryant and Nick as well. Go, Pat, go. See you guys in the next episode.
تو 